Welcome to Vision of Zion. I'm Craig Perry, and with me is my guest, Sean White. Hello, Sean. Hi, Craig. It's good to be with you this evening. Likewise. So this is our first attempt to do a video recording of one of our podcasts. Uh, the date today, maybe it's a coincidence, there's a couple of coincidences here. Today mm -hmm. is August 31st, and what does that mean in the astronomy of the world, Sean? Well, we've got a blue moon tonight, which is quite interesting. And the fact that it's occurring in August, um, there's a lot of a lot of interest on the internet, you know, about blue moons and the effect of them and what's happened in the past. So as I understand it, a blue moon is when two full moons occur in the same month. That's correct. Which means it can't happen in February because we never have... Uh, we know we don't have enough days to do of two full moons uh it usually only happens in the 31st of the month so that's january march may july august october and december and uh on average they occur every 33 months but if you just pick one month it's pretty rare to have two in august right yeah it is you know, it's interesting that you found those old drawings of the Salt Lake Temple and the arrangement of the moons that uh, Brigham Young wanted around the pillars there and the fact that two of them occurred in August, you know, two full moons. So the question arises, was Brigham Young trying to say something? Let me go over this and, and with a disclaimer. So... Sometimes I know that I drill deep looking for clues. And this is something that I looked into uh, decades ago, frankly. And I was looking at it for a different reason, which I'll bring up on another podcast. You're the one who pointed out that there were two August full moons. So let me explain this whole situation. So the when Brigham Young sat down with Truman Angel to design the Salt Lake Temple, um, he laid out the moonstones, and there have been people who have looked at the temple from above, looking down, and claim that you can map out a calendar using the temple, uh, the orientation of the temple, which I believe, and I'm going to I'm going to say why I believe it, but not the reason that I was looking into it. Anyway, he had the moonstones laid out a certain way. And if I remember right, I think there are 52 moonstones on the temple. Yeah. And of course, there's 52 weeks in the year. There's a lot of really cool astronomy built into the Salt Lake Temple. For example, again, going off on a tangent, if you go look at the west-facing side of the temple, you will see the Big Dipper up between the west towers. And from what I've read, and this is, again, this is me researching, not always originating the information, but researching, the two outer stars, as we know, in the sky, if you look at the Big Dipper, they point to the North Star in the sky, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Well, on the temple, if you draw a line up into space, uh, I'm told that those two stars that are on the temple 
point to the Big Dipper in the sky if you draw a line, just like the normal natural Big Dipper that's uh, in the sky. So anyway, cool stuff. So Brigham Young sat down and he gave a lot of details to Truman Angel how to do the temple. And of course, one or more apostles, I'm not sure Truman Angel did, but some of them went over to Europe and studied architecture. And there's a book called about the Saint, about the Salt Lake Temple called Monument to a People that was printed many years ago that discusses some of these architectural features and it shows pictures of churches or buildings that influenced the architecture of the Salt Lake Temple, also the Lion House, by the way. But anyway, so they gathered information and made it more interesting. But I believe the process began like in 1852, if I remember from my reading. So in that book, and in an article I found at BYU in the special collections, her, her first name was Percy. I have the article stashed in one of my files somewhere. But this woman in the 1930s or 40s also drew a map out of the of the moonstones and superimposed on it the Jewish calendar. Well, the ones that I've seen also use the current Gregorian calendar. Anyway, so they were laid out a certain way. I'm laying this foundation because in August, that's interesting, of 1877, as I, I believe was when Brigham Young passed away just a few months after the dedication of the St. George Temple. And from what I read in these books, the Salt Lake Temple had not yet reached the height of the Moonstones at the time he died in 1877. And Orson Pratt, if you look at pictures of the Salt Lake Temple Square, you will see that there's a small little observatory shack that's on the premises. And that was the observatory for Orson Pratt. And so when it came time to lay the moonstones, I don't recall the exact year. It might've been a year later, like 1878. That's what I'm thinking, but I could be mistaken. He had the moonstones reoriented to reflect the phases of the moon for that year on that level. So whatever Brigham Young was impressed to do was wiped away, altered, when the moonstones were put in place by Orson Pratt to reflect the year they got to that level of temple construction. So, yeah, I've always been curious. Now, my focus for those moonstones has been on the front of the, or the east side of the temple. And for very good reason, uh, I won't get into it now, but it has to do with the cloud stones and the trumpets that were on the original drawings. Now, to dig a little farther, Sean, <laughs> Uh, just to to kind of bait the hook for a future podcast when we talk about symbols and symbolism and signs, um, the detail that was put into the Salt Lake Temple exterior were dramatically changed when they switched from making a temple made of sandstone, uh, you heard me right, to yeah. a temple made out of granite because granite's a much harder material to manipulate. So there's these incredible details on the original drawings of the Salt Lake Temple. And if you look at the book Monument to a People, it has some of those. Well, a few years ago, I contacted the church history department because I found online that they had a bunch of the original drawings of the Salt Lake Temple. And I requested a copy to see them. And this was, it might have, 
was it during uh, I don't know if it's during COVID or not, but anyway, I requested to see copies of the drawings. And they said, basically, and I asked if they could be scanned in so I could look at them remotely. And they said, Robex, no one's ever asked that before. So we're going to scan them in and we're going to make them available to you. So they did. And I got a whole stash, hundred over 100 drawings. I think it's 131 when I looked yeah, on 132, exactly. And uh, what's, what's fascinating to me, one of the, again, going another... <laughs> level removed from our discussion <laughs> is that the garden room or the the garden room was you know as as some of you know we used to go from room to room during the uh, down endowment we would travel from the creation room to the garden room and then we as we move through the different levels of progression celestial terrestrial celestial we'd go through different rooms well in the original drawings, the garden or garden area was out was literally a separate, either a courtyard or a building that was in the southeast corner or southeast of the temple, which is a whole nother story. So you learn a lot of really cool things looking at the original drawings. And one of them were these moonstones that were laid out that I have a copy of that I shared with you. And I, because I don't know if there's a limitation on dissemination publicly. I had it redrawn. So I have my own copy of it that I can, I can publish when we get to that uh, topic. But your point now to come all the way back <laughs> is that when you looked at it, you look at something I never looked at, which is you saw two full moons in the month of August. If you look at the temple as a timepiece, correct? Right. Okay. And so that, is significant because the rarity of it happening in August is even more rare than having a blue moon or two new moons in the same month. And so I said, this is, uh, we'll have to go back and look at the notes, but it's like 47 years that that occurs, but it happens to line also next year on August 24th, I believe, which is going to take some investigation to look at. So two, if that's true, then two blue moons, both in the month of August, back to back would be highly unusual, I would think. Yeah. If a blue moon is only every 33 months and you have two in the month of August, it's probably pretty rare. And I want to point out again, if you go back to Genesis chapter one, I don't know the exact verse, it talks about the Lord creating the heavens and one of the grounds for it is for signs. And we have had some really interesting signs and I'm not saying that I am fully capable of interpreting signs in the heavens, but we know that there was there were signs in the heavens when the Savior was born, both in the new world and in the old world. And we just know that there's important signs that happen in the heavens. And uh, I can't think of all the examples off the top of my head, but we have this really interesting pattern that occurred back in 2017 when I was acutely aware of the signs because I was studying Revelation chapter 12, the Joseph Smith translation, and we had a coming solar eclipse in September, around September 21st of, of 2017. And there was, I think, a lunar eclipse, if I remember right, in August of 2017, followed by the solar eclipse, followed by massive destruction by 
I believe it was a hurricane at the time. There might have been some fires also. I mean, it was pandemonium in 2017. And uh, here we are now almost seven years later, and the second solar eclipse on the United States, which crosses over in the New Madrid fault line area, where we have recorded the biggest earthquake in the history of our country in, I think, 1812 crossing over this area uh, and a little the, farther i'll go, go ahead sean and the fact that the the tav or the shadow line of 2017 versus the one in april 7th of 2024 will form an x very near adam on diamond well let so, me take that a little, yes i'm gonna take a little further a lot of people pointed out that the first part of the X, when it went from Oregon and crossed over the country going south and west or south and east, uh, passed over, I guess, seven cities that have the name Salem. What I noticed is that it also covered all the spots where the saints traveled when they left Illinois. It covered uh, Missouri. It covered the basically the Pioneer Trail until they dropped into Utah. It doesn't. The, the shadow doesn't go into Utah, it goes into Idaho. But the saints didn't go into the Idaho area when they came into Utah. So I found it interesting to cover a little bit of Iowa, Nebraska, and that whole pathway. So yeah, I mean, and, and the second X that's going to, or the second part of the X that's going to cross through Missouri is going to go up through all of the church sites where they travel to get to missouri right it's going to go over pennsylvania yeah. it's going to go over new york uh and it's going to cross over a bunch of other things my parents happen to be in independence missouri which is important for members of the church as a as a historical point and they were there uh, and witnessed the eclipse at the time when the shadow came over but anyway yeah there's a lot of really amazing things and the seven years makes me wonder what that means some people thought it was the beginning of the tribulations i held back judgment i don't know if it was i don't think it was i think a sign is a sign meaning something's going to come maybe it was a seven-year sign i mean i've been thinking for years 2024 is going to be a real showdown and with everything going on in the world 2024 is on my map is a really bad bad year of uh, conflict and dissension and lawlessness and political strife and wars. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to see that what the upcoming election and the contention going on uh, with uh, Donald Trump's potential, uh, you know, if he makes it to the finish line, the election, uh, he'll be maybe in jail yeah. he'll he'll be or in prison he'll be definitely having a trial before then appeals going on i mean it's it's just a crazy crazy stuff and uh, you know like for me um you know 2017 was a year of great awakening for me and learning because i saw the sign in the sky and everything and i was like you know, maybe I should do some more reading. So it was a wake-up call. And now we have this, October 14th, will be this rare lunar eclipse. And then we have April 7th coming up with a solar eclipse. And, you know, we know that peace has been taken from the Earth. And so 
I just keep thinking it's time to wake up and dig a little bit deeper into everything about the scriptures and what the days ahead of us may be. Thank you. And by the way, I think what I got wrong was August of 2017 is when the first eclipse came through, right? It was August of 2017. Yeah. Maybe not a lunar eclipse, but it was a that was the total solar eclipse that crossed over the US. So a little correction right. there. But yeah, I mean it's it and I haven't even gotten into the in this podcast that I'm not going to now, into the whole meaning of Jupiter being uh within the constellation of Virgo, which appears to herald the a sign of a woman giving birth which is what's described in revelation 12 and the joseph smith translation that clarifies who the woman is and who the child is so we could go i can't wait to get into this stuff because it seems highly relevant now as we approach you know we're only seven months away from mm. the next eclipse and i can't believe where that last seven years is almost seven years it's not quite seven years between eclipses it's like six and a half years, but it's close enough. And it's truly amazing. So these signs well, are potentially significant. Know, yeah. You know, I might share a dream or vision that I had, which was likened to what I saw in the Book of Mormon. We know there was a time period when everybody looked at the signs in the skies and thought things were going to happen on a certain day, and they didn't. And they went home discouraged and everything. And I saw a vision likened to this. I was standing in Adam on Diamond. And there are many, many people had gathered for this for a solar eclipse, and many of them thought that Christ would appear on this day. And they really hadn't read their scriptures and aligned and known what the events were going to be and how they were to align up. And so they'd skipped many important things that had not happened yet. And they many went home discouraged and disgruntled with friends, with spouses, with other things. It was all because they hadn't really read their scriptures and studied the things. And we see that happening in the Book of Mormon. And then they became persecuted, you know, even unto the point they were going to put them to death. So let's talk, let's talk about another aspect of that that happened at the time of uh, the restoration or the commencement of the restoration with Joseph Smith. So uh, the book that the church published called Saints, Volume 1 does a good job of describing this, but there was this volcano and I think in a place called Tambora in 1816, yep. which led to a big uh, way up in the whatever level sphere, stratosphere, whatever level of sky and blanketed the earth with a lot of particles that the next year became known as uh, the year without summer. And right. that caused famines and it caused crop failure and there were major problems in the northeast and a lot of people no one really knew what was causing it they thought it was the end of the world this this triggered a lot of revivalism in our country and probably elsewhere but for sure in our country and it was in that context that joseph smith's family moved to a new area where all these other miraculous events for him happened but there was this whole expectation of the second coming and there was a group years later and then it didn't happen. So he recalculated based on Bible numbers, like for the book of Daniel, et cetera, and came up with a, se a second date. Now, we all know that Joseph Smith at one point said, 
I one he says in in the in the doctrine and covenants. One time I prayed to ask the Lord to know the date of the second coming. And the answer came to me, Joseph, if thou livest to be 85 years old, you know, thou shalt see the coming of the son of man. Therefore trouble me no more concerning this matter. And then Joseph said, I was left to wonder whether that meant, you know, 85 years or that I wouldn't be alive or something like that. So he didn't get a straight answer, but it was, a, it was the perfect answer really. Um, so any, anyway, uh, the point is that revelation arose out of Joseph asking true. And yeah. he is on the record telling people this is not a correct date before it happened because I prayed about it and the Lord said no. It was at least 85 years out, which would have been 1890, because that's when Joseph would have been 90. He was born in 1805. Okay. So what's the point with all of that? Um the point is is that you know the Lord has uh People have been preparing for the second coming for a long time. There's no specific date given, but, you know, it's really interesting. And what did people do? They sold all their possessions. They went into the hills and they waited <laughs> and they waited and nothing happened. It's an interesting story. Uh, and you're right. We have to be uh, on the alert and not draw I mean, look, Samuel Lamanite said in five years, it's going to happen. And then right. the Lord waited till the last possible day. And people were on the chopping block to be killed if they continue to believe in the prophecy. So there are times when God has given a specific date. We know there's a three and a half years of uh, super tribulation and probably three and a half years before that uh, warning us. Anyway, bottom line is there are some dates and there's months and counts in right book of daniel book of revelation but get it wrong we got to be careful flexible uh listening to the spirit and it's all going to synchronize the way it's supposed to we're just out here trying to it's kind of like that doing a big jigsaw puzzle at christmas and um you know, we're all looking to match the right piece and find the right piece in the right corner. And the more familiar we are with that, the more familiar we will be with how it connects and how it pieces together. And we can pray about how to put those pieces together and where the next piece fits. Exactly. And and connecting the dots is, is, is a fun adventure, frankly. It's really fun to try and figure it out and make and gain understanding and we'll talk about some of our impressions along the way